Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. This is what I want, this is what I need, if you don't have to go, I can set you free, are you going? Today's podcast is a solo episode and I'm going to be chatting with you about three things that so often so many parents can find a little bit confusing to kind of consider when it comes to helping their bubs sleep. Now, I don't want to say, it probably will be the title of the episode, but I don't want to say, oh, these are the three things that parents get wrong because when you're a new parent, you're really just trying anything You really just want the best for your baby and the best for your family. And I feel as though you will never say maybe as many times in your life as you do when you're a new parent. It's like, oh, maybe he sleeps best if I'm wearing a red shirt or maybe she really needs me to bounce 26 times on the spot. And that is the secret sauce. There are so many unknowns as you enter this world of parenthood and it can be really confusing and really overwhelming and as I said you'll probably find yourself saying maybe it's this maybe it's that maybe 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 a hundred times or more a day and when you do kind of get in that state of like maybe it's this maybe it's that it's reasonable that there are certain conclusions that you might come to or things that a well-meaning friend or relative will say to you and it just makes sense logically. So you attach to it and kind of believe it to be gospel. But there are three things that I really want you to consider and carry with you if you are in the season of life where you have a little one and you are trying to help them sleep well. These are the three things that so often I would see when I was doing in-home consultations and over the years with the thousands and thousands of families that we have helped with our kind parenting company online programs, these three kind of, I don't know, techniques or um, trains of thought, when we turn these around and we make some changes to them, these are the three things that often bode the biggest results. So let's get stuck into it. The first thing I want you to consider is swaddling. One of the most common things that new parents will go through is this thought process of believing that their baby does not like being swaddled. And it's a reasonable conclusion. You know, I remember having the same thought, particularly with one of the boys of being like, oh, he just doesn't like to be swaddled because, you know, he would appear to be a little bit frustrated and bothered if I was swaddling him for his sleeps. So in my adult brain, I was like, oh, I will take his um, disgruntled cues and 
what he's presenting as discomfort to mean that he doesn't like being swaddled, hence he doesn't need to be swaddled, hence let's move forth without swaddling that child. But really, when you zoom out and I understand more and more about babies, it wasn't that he was telling me he didn't want to be swaddled. There was another reason he was uncomfortable. Both of the boys had colic. Babies cry. That is what they do. If they have a wind pain, they will pull that face. You know the face I'm talking about, especially if you have a newborn right now. When they have, you know, tummy aches and wind pains, it's really common. Or if a little one is overtired or being put down when they're not tired enough, they're hungry, they're full, they've got a wet nappy. There are so many reasons why they're upset. And correlation doesn't always equal causation so just because your little one seems frustrated at a nap that they're being swaddled at doesn't actually necessarily mean that the intel to take from that is oh I should stop swaddling them now I have heard people say we don't want to swaddle our baby because it's going to be something that they eventually need to grow out of and I do understand that premise to a certain extent But it's kind of a failed premise because if we took that logic and applied it to everything in a baby's life, it just doesn't add up. You know, you're not going to say, oh, well, we won't give her or him breast milk because eventually they'll grow out of that and they'll move on to solid food. So why do it anyway? In parenting, there are so many little stepping stones that we take to get to the next thing. And yes, some little ones do have trouble transitioning from swaddling to free sleeping and others don't. There are ways you can do it gradually. You can do it one arm at a time at the right time for your little one. But you cross that bridge when you get to it. You don't need to put the horse before the cart. How many analogies can I cram in here? But what I'm saying is you don't know for sure that your son or daughter will have trouble transitioning away from swaddling. And there are steps that you can take to support them. One of the reasons swaddling is so helpful for a young baby is the fact that When your baby is in a womb, they have so much pressure around them, right? They're really snug in the womb. There's all of the embryonic fluid that is pressing on them and keeping them feeling snug and that just that pressure on them. So when they are born, it's a strange thing for them to be out and about in this environment without that comforting, firm pressure. That's why a really firm swaddle, within reason of course, is comforting. It's reassuring. That's why your bub likes to be carried. Bub likes to be on your chest, nice nice and wrapped up and cozy. And young babies have a startle reflex. I'm sure most of you will know what I'm talking about. When you watch a little bub drift off or even just as they're laying there they'll startle themselves and their limbs flail out to the side and if that happens when they are sleeping as it so often does if a baby is not swaddled they'll wake themselves up because their limbs are flung away from their body whereas if that swaddle is on nice and firmly the movement is restricted with that involuntary um what's the word involuntary reflex that startling reflex If there is pressure on them, they can't move as far as wide and they're less likely to wake themselves up. So I understand if you think, oh no, my my newborn or my six-week-old really likes to free sleep. If they're sleeping well, great. 
I'm not talking to you if you have this baby that sleeps with no swaddling and has no problems going to sleep and staying to sleep. That's brilliant. That's great. If there is no issue there, you don't need to change things. But if there is an issue such as your little one is not sleeping well, they're not connecting sleep cycles, it's taking a long time to get him or her to sleep, then introducing a swaddle is a really great thing to try and to try it with consistency, not just for one or two sleeps. And I know for sure there will be someone listening who will say, that's great, Kylie, but I have a really strong baby who will get out of any swaddle. There is no way we can contain this baby because he or she is a wriggler, they're a strong bub, all of that stuff. So there are some babies that are simple one, two, kind of wrap and then the tail tucked up into the top of the swaddle that it just does not work for. But if you have our KPC sleep program, number one in particular, you will find a way to swaddle a bub in there that they will not get out of. It's like this incredible, firm, but kind, reassuring swaddle technique, which you really need to watch the video because it kind of loops under bub and then back over the top. And then we also introduce a cot sheet as well. So if you get the KPC program, watch that video, practice it and try that swaddle because you may need to just move from a standard kind of, you know, whatever the average size is for a young bub, you might need to move up to a bigger swaddle or even use like a bamboo cot sheet so that you've got enough fabric to keep them wrapped really firmly. Now, obviously temperature comes into it, but I'm not going to go down that path because that is all in the program in terms of layers and things like that. But not swaddling a young bub, in my opinion and in my experience, can be one of those kind of like, oh, rookie error that's easy to fix. And I say rookie error very, very lightly, tongue in cheek. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Next up, something that I heard a lot and something I thought myself when my boys were first born is that perhaps it's a good idea to get young babies to have their daytime sleeps where it is naturally well lit so that then they would intrinsically develop a relationship with a circadian rhythm and understand that their day sleeps are shorter sleeps and that this is a day sleep and then they would sleep like like longer and deeper at night so just putting a young baby out in the lounge room or opening the curtains or keeping them in a well-lit area for day sleeps doesn't actually help to establish their body clock in getting them to sleep longer stretches overnight. 
it's one of those things that it makes sense to us as adults like oh that will definitely help they'll begin to understand the difference between day and night but that's not it at all one of the things that helps them to understand the difference between day and night is having a routine it's the rhythm it's the rhythm of the shorter sleeps waking them up at the at the set times the set wake periods all of that stuff helps much more than trying to get them to sleep in a light room to establish that understanding and that connection of what sleep is what so that would be another kind of miss that i would say is to treat their day sleeps different to their night sleeps i think it is better to treat day sleeps in the same way that you treat your night sleep such as tucking them into a cot if you're at home a nice dark room all of the things but the cues that will eventually tell your baby it's a different type of sleep is the routine it's the rhythm um, and it's also the order of whether you feed play sleep or or play feed sleep if that makes sense which again it talks you through it all in the program but trying to teach a young baby to have their day naps in the daylight purely with the intention of helping them understand the difference between night and day is a miss they're not going to get it in that way Next up, another miss that I would say all of us well-intentioned, loving parents often lean into is we make ourselves the sleep prop and then we're inconsistent with it. So when I say sleep prop, in our programs, I use language like negative sleep association and positive sleep association. I use the term negative sleep association just because I wanted to be really clear and it's not to say oh you're bad you've done the wrong thing this is like you know you've done the negative thing it's just to help people connect the dots with oh we all have sleep associations but some are more positive than others and the thing that makes it more positive is the fact that if we introduce a sleep association that falls into the negative sleep association kind of prop it is because that prop is either us or it's something that our child relies upon us to do. They rely upon us to facilitate. They can't eventually do it on their own. So it's almost like we're setting them up for failure in a way, but it's well-intentioned, it's well-meaning. And it's kind of because we just want to solve the problem in the moment. So it's like, oh, my baby needs to sleep. What's going to solve the problem in the moment? I know. Maybe it's bouncing on an exercise ball. Maybe it's holding the dummy in for them. Maybe it's feeding them to sleep, driving them to sleep. Like that's the solution in the moment because it gets the immediate result of them falling asleep. But ultimately it is unsustainable because if your son or daughter then wakes up after one sleep cycle, which can be 20 to 40 minutes, give or take either side, If they wake up after that sleep cycle, we then have to return and give them that same sleep association to get back to sleep. So we are building this reliance upon a sleep prop that involves us. And it is not sustainable because we cannot do that for months and months and years and years for our kids. And that's why there are positive sleep associations as well you know, and your routine, the rhythm of your day, your wind down routine, the sleep environment, all of that stuff falls into the positive sleep association. Whereas when we make our child rely upon us, 
because we've given them these props and we've given them the intel that they need this stuff to sleep and then we reconfirm that belief for them because we go in and we return the same circumstance if they wake up it makes it harder for them to lean on the positive associations so with that often when we are doing this like well-meaning well-intentioned and to solve the problem one of the things is we are often inconsistent with it because some days we will have more patience than others so some days we might have the availability to sit with our baby and hold them to sleep but then other days we don't have that availability because we have daycare pickup or um you know a myriad of other reasons why you can't do it you've got doctor's appointments whatever And so it's like on a Monday, they might get you holding them to sleep. Then on a Tuesday, it's in the car. Then on a Wednesday, it is holding the dummy in, going for a walk. It's inconsistent. So one of the best things we can do is to really consider what positive sleep associations we are introducing and to be consistent with those. Babies, toddlers, children love and thrive off consistency when they can predict a pattern. It's really comforting for them. And that really is at the core of what we so believe at the KPC. It's like, how can we provide as much comfort and reassurance to families? Because it can be a really overwhelming, really confusing time for sure and it is totally reasonable that anyone would draw any of these conclusions as I said like thinking correlation equals causation with a bub who is disgruntled and going oh they just don't like to be swaddled but perhaps it's just not the right swaddling technique for him or her or perhaps it is the fact that you know they have wind pains or reflux or colic there are so many other reasons why a bub can be disgruntled overtired as I mentioned, it is reasonable to think, oh, you know, I feel like I am struggling so bad here. How can I help my son or daughter understand the difference between day and night? And thinking the most obvious way is to get them to sleep in sunlight. But truly the quickest way to establish that circadian rhythm is from having that routine, that feeding rhythm, that sleeping rhythm, all of the positive sleep association cues. And as I said, these negative, you know, in quote, negative sleep associations that we introduce are because we care and we want to solve the problem. You know, we want to help our bubs sleep, but sometimes it can be harder to zoom out. You know, the old saying, it's hard to see the forest for the trees is so true when you're in that parenting haze and you're getting used to it. So be kind to yourself. Keep these things in mind. Um, And if you do feel ready to explore some support with sleep, just know that at the KPC, we are not going to say to you, you need to leave your baby alone to cry it out. That's why we started the KPC. It's because I really struggled. At the time I had the boys, you know, the methods of teaching babies to sleep really was about long timed intervals on leaving your babies to cry it out and I could never do that and I felt like such a failure because I just couldn't leave the kids to scream and I wanted to be in there to support them but I didn't know how to do it without then making myself the thing that they relied wholly and solely upon and so that's kind of where the KPC originally started from 
But if you are interested in viewing our programs, jump over to thekindparentingcompany.com, have a little look, and there is a sneaky discount code for you in the show notes as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please do take a screenshot, share it on your stories, tag us at The Kind Parenting Company. Also, share it with your friends. If you have a friend who is pregnant right now or considering having kids anytime soon or has a little one, maybe just copy the link, send it to them and let them have a listen as well. Because if they just go, oh, okay, great. I'm just going to try swaddling one more time or, okay, great. I'm going to put them into their dark nursery for their daytime sleep and see how it goes. And it works. Then you have made me a happy woman because that's what we're all about. So I'll leave it with you, but I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to speaking with you very, very soon.